0: Welcome to episode 75 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do. To kick things off this week, we need to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. We would like to thank Freya,
1: Ellie Lane,
0: Logan Van Dyke,
1: Caroline Rose McCann,
0: Dawn Sinclair, Stephen Carlin, Justine Leary, Lynn, Timothy Davies, Damon Cunningham, Megan Marchand, Alex Teschel, Amanda West, Giselle Flores. Laura
1: Thornley. Eva uh, <laughs> Murray.
0: Justine Hellison. Rebecca Hetherington. Jacob Zindel. Anne-Marie Maxwell. Shani and Matt. Johnny Carr. Thank you so much for being our Patreon subscribers. We appreciate you. We are so thankful that you are giving up your hard-earned cash to our little podcast. And just a reminder, in these terribly difficult times for a lot of people if you need to delete your patreon subscription please do it and don't feel the need to apologize to us we
1: will still be there in the future yes so we if things will change you can subscribe and listen to all them extra episodes that you missed out on i feel like i've got a bit of a game show host voice today yeah i don't know what's going on I'll tell you what it is Kevin fever oh <laughs> well, yeah we're a bit manic today i just was saying
0: to dan our neighbors must think we're so strained because we've just been going around shouting vines around the house at yeah. each other they must feel like what is wrong with those two but it's been over two weeks now since Dan has left the house. So we're getting a bit cabin fevery. Um, but you have some more thanks to I give do. today.
1: So we have some wonderful, many, many wonderful uh, key workers that listen to our show. And we have been giving them a little shout out from us just to say thank you very much uh, for everything that you're doing for us. So I would like to thank Bethan Pocock, who is a paramedic and listens to the show avidly. And also her mum, Catherine Pocock. Who is a specialist sister in uh, So it's a little family thing. Cute. I believe her dad is also a key worker, but he doesn't listen to the show. So Stunning. She didn't give me his name, but thank you to all three of you. i uh, also like to thank Stephanie Rourke, who is an EMT. Majestically Awesome is your username on Instagram, but I don't have your real name so i apologize but thank you very much Uh, and hope who is a nurse from newcastle thank you very much for all that you do for us we really appreciate it
0: as as we have said every week thank you to all of our key workers there are so many people that are amazing and keeping the place running during this really hard time
1: and also to heidi as well sorry i just i didn't turn the page over (laughs) there's actually one more on the other page so heidi thank you very much as well uh you get your own little section.
0: Our film review this week is hotly anticipated. The amount of people that messaged me about this film in the last nearly two years has been incredible. And every time I looked at the trailer or the like screen or what they call it, like the promotional picture for the film, I was like, I know exactly what this is going to be. Like, it's going to be kind of jump scares and really gory horror. And we've seen it all before. So our film review this week is The Autopsy of Jane Doe. The Autopsy of Jane Doe was released in 2016. It has 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb and 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. Would you like a synopsis?
1: I would love a synopsis.
0: A father and son, both coroners, are pulled into a complex mystery while attempting to identify the body of a young woman who was apparently harboring dark secrets. What were your thoughts?
1: Well, everything you thought this was, it was. But it hadn't we hadn't seen it done this well before? No, it so was it had the gore and it had the jump scares and it was truly terrifying and it was a really good film.
0: I think there's a difference between gore and what they portrayed in this film, like pathology and gore. I think are different. It names. wasn't
1: gratuitous. In this no, case and I, I, purpose.
0: I have a such a weird fascination with pathology. Like for the longest time, when I was in secondary school, and I wanted to be a pathologist, and then I just. I don't know why I didn't, but Stop I got science lessons. Uh no, I would, I did science. Okay. I did chemistry and biology, but I just I'm fascinated by the human body and I'm also fascinated by how disease impacts the human body and what it looks like and and, and you know, all of that stuff. And the pathology element of this film was so fascinating because it was like a mystery. Cuz every time they like dissected a new part for it, I was like, "Oh, what are they going to find? This is so exciting." So I loved that side of it.
1: Yeah, it was actually an incredibly well done movie that I was imagine was probably quite low budget. Didn't Six have a million. particularly big cast. All took place in a very very
0: small similar space. set. Yeah.
1: No massive names, although Brian Cox and Emil Hirsch are recognisable, the two leads. It was just done really well. Like it freaked the hell out of me. And the scariest part was the overhead camera looking at the dead body. I just uh, couldn't like, deal with it. The face of the dead body.
0: The it it was a really it was a really frightening film. I I was really frightened watching it and I had to go for a wee in the middle of it and I had to turn on all the lights on the way because I was like, oh God. Because the two men in it are coroners and they see dead bodies all the time. They're not alarmed by any of the... The whole idea of dead bodies is so normalized in the film that it's not really frightening. Well, that- but they do have it, like they use amazing tropes in it where you know... That later on this is going to come into effect. They don't try and hide it. It's not subtle. But when it does come into effect later. You're like oh no. Oh this is fucking awful. So one of them without
1: telling you what happens. uh, Is a round the corner mirror.
0: Yes. Yeah. Which is very cleverly used. And not overused I have to say.
1: And what I really liked about this is. What Emma just said. Which was the. I don't know why I said. referred to you in third person then. What you just said. I'm talking to you. Um. (laughs) was that the sort of uh, nature of their job, the fact that they were coroners and they dealt with dead bodies all the time, just sort of, it got to the point where the the older of the two coroners, the dad, the father figure, was just so, like, the body was doing really unusual things and the son was like, uh, I didn't think dead bodies do this. And he he just kept going, oh yeah, no, I've seen it before, once before. And then it got to a point where it was so crazy that he, yeah, he was like, yeah, I don't know what's going on anymore. And then but it, it was just all hell broke loose.
0: But for him, it was solving a mystery. Yeah. Even though really weird stuff was happening with the body, he wasn't he wasn't remotely like, oh, this is paranormal or this is, there is a reasonable explanation for everything that happens up until a point, And he sees it as a big mystery to solve. And his whole, the dad's whole thing is, it's not our place to ask why. We just need to establish how, but then obviously the whole thing is the why and why, why have we ended up in this situation and why has this happened? The CGI I thought was very good because they did that thing where they didn't show you too much.
1: You didn't see what was doing the chasing. No. You saw outlines and shadows, which I feel like if you were in that situation, that's probably all you would see.
0: I found it a very, very interesting film. And there's very little we can say about it because I don't want to ruin the story. But but we spent, like, I spent the first hour desperately trying to guess what was going on. But in a good way, I was like, oh, maybe it's this, or maybe it's this. You
1: were getting way too into them cutting up, body open.
0: I just love pathology. (laughs) Fascinated by it. I follow, I can't remember her name, Mrs. Uh, Anjami, I think, or whatever. She's a pathologist on instagram and somebody messaged me and told me i looked like her and it just has made my life
1: well, there you go
0: that's all i needed
1: that qualifies you to do pathology i think
0: yeah i'm pretty sure i'm pretty yeah. sure i've seen enough stuff as well yeah. you know I, I follow her on instagram i've seen all her posts about various body parts and i could do it
1: Yep, i'll be fine with it Yep, your confidence about being able to do my heart surgery if i need it and we can't get to the hospital is um both concerning and reassuring at the same time
0: yeah it mm. should be it should be so what what would you give this out of five <laughs> five Really? Yeah,
1: I mean, it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Like, just because it scared me, probably means it isn't going to necessarily scare everybody. But I just thought it was really well done for what it was. I like, I like little nods by filmmakers, and you know, the, the guy is inspired by the conjuring, and he his little like nods yes. to the conjuring in it is very.
0: There's a really good use of music, yeah, which isn't overused and is very clever.
1: Um, and actually, where the conjuring series is tailed off, maybe this guy would do good and just stop in just stopping at this point.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would also give it a five. Oh
1: my word! We need to be cracking the champagne. I
0: loved it. I I thought it was a That's brilliant what film.
1: Champagne noise makes, by the way. There we
0: go. I thought it was a really clever film, really clever low budget budget horror film, and I I I was hitting Dan at various points, going, "No, you need to watch it. You need to see what's going to happen." I was
1: covering my eyes because I knew that something was coming that was going to make me jump. So I like to watch it with most of my eyes covered up, yeah. through a tiny little gap. This is one of a handful of films that I can probably count on one hand actually just to mix the analogies analogies, analogies what's the word? <laughs> analogies analogies um, where I'm thinking about writing to the filmmaker because Emma actually sat and watched the entire film I did not without doing anything else or getting distracted by anything she watched the entire film I did so if you are a filmmaker that has done that you deserve a special award for filmmaking
0: it will be another um, uh, uh, what's the word another part category. Of category in the Oscars Yes. Next year. Yeah. Yeah, it will be. (laughs) And for the award for a film that Emma managed to sit through. (laughs) Which brings us to our stories this week. Uh, I'm really excited. This is another episode that people have been asking us to do for a very long time. Okay. And we're going to start with a bit of debunking first. Okay. Which is... Not the usual way we do things.
1: No, because you normally build me up into the point where I'm scared stupid and then you debunk it.
0: But I have very strong feelings about the topic that we're going to be doing today.
1: I'm intrigued now, I have to say.
0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss. Because today, we're talking about ghost stories from nurses. Ooh. Which I think is a really fascinating topic. Are you ready? No. So our first dive into this topic actually comes from the guardian it's not often i think that the paranormal makes its way into mainstream newspapers without it being a joke so things like i married a ghost those things you see regularly in newspapers that's and
1: not a joke that's a very serious topic
0: very serious topic i'm sorry to all those people out there who are married to ghosts or you have you know the, the jokey jokey oh i have a haunted doll blah 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 all of those things make it into newspapers but it's not actually often that a story of ghosts or hauntings makes it into a mainstream newspaper let's do this okay one night in 1975 mary mclellan was working as a ward sister at the western infirmary in glasgow she was setting up a piece of equipment in a room facing a well-lit corridor when she became aware of a tall silver-haired man wearing a blue dressing gown and standing near the doorway of the ward opposite He stood still and silent for a moment and then vanished. But she thought nothing of it, assuming he was a patient who had just gone back to bed. Almost immediately, the ward nurse came over to me, McLellan recalls. She was very upset at seeing the apparition. She recognised him as a patient who had died two days previously. The UK is full of old hospitals many of which have at least one and sometimes several ghost stories attached. Veteran ghost hunter Andrew Green, who died this year, collected dozens of stories of hospital hauntings, including the experience of Mary McLellan. The stories vary, but a common theme is a grey lady or a woman in white, who made some terrible medical error and took her own life in remorse, only to reappear at times of crisis. Green believed that these apparitions are forms of electromagnetic energy, a sort of faded echo of people whose lives were intensely stressful. Such tales are passed down by word of mouth through generations of young doctors and nurses. Part folk myth, part cautionary tale. They are a sort of paranormal aid to risk management. At the now-defunct Mother's Hospital in Hackney, East London, Drowsy nurses complained of feeling a startling tap on the shoulder. According to legend, a nurse who was bottle-feeding a newborn baby dozed off and slumped forward in her sleep, smothering the baby accidentally. In a fit of remorse, she killed herself and was condemned to walk the wards, tapping young nurses on the shoulder to keep them awake. A classic of the genre is the nurse in a bluish-grey uniform seen by patients at University College Hospital London. It appears only when screens go up around a bed and is said to be the spirit of a nurse who administered a morphine overdose to a patient and was so upset that she took poison and killed herself. Annie Lindsay, archivist at UCH, describes the nightly ritual of closing the shutters on a picture of a long deceased surgeon, Marcus Beck. It was the night sister's first duty to close the shutters and the day sister's first duty to open them in the morning. If the shutters were not closed at night, then somebody unexpectedly died. Occasionally, a vision manifests itself in a helpful way. At Stove Hill Hospital, Glasgow, a student nurse spotted a woman, whom she assumed was a night sister, slip into a side ward near the door. She followed her to ask her a question, and was surprised to find no one in the ward but a patient who had lost consciousness and needed immediate help. At Scunthorpe General, staff say there is a strong smell of old-fashioned violet perfume just before the appearance of a nurse in a long skirt. The visits always occur when a baby is desperately ill. After her visit, the baby always recovers. The usually data-hungry Department of Health has never collected statistics on haunted hospitals. We are far more concerned with helping the living, said a spokesperson. His views echo those of many doctors and nurses who dismiss ghost stories as nonsense. While some hospitals appear to be in denial for fear of scaring patients, Barthes and the Royal London Hospitals Trust has a grey lady at the 264-year-old Royal London Hospital And tales of the cowled figure of the Rahir, the monk who founded Barthes in 1123, is a regular feature of London Ghost Walks. But a spokeswoman for the Trust denies that there are any ghosts. Some perfectly rational NHS workers, however, are convinced that paranormal events do happen. Judith Wally, risk manager at the City Hospital Birmingham, has worked in the NHS for almost 30 years and is an amateur historian of local hospitals. She says she has had paranormal experiences herself and is convinced that they cannot be explained in purely human terms. As a young nurse at Glasgow Royal Infirmary, Wally recalls walking along a top-floor corridor and seeing a ward sister coming towards her. As she walked by, I said, Evening, sister. And then I realised I could only see her from the knees up, Wally's explanation is that the hospital was very old and had had new floors installed from time to time. She seemed to be walking along an older floor level. At City Hospital, Wally says a priest was brought in to carry out an exorcism after a gang of builders disturbed something when they were demolishing wards that were originally part of the workhouse, dating back more than 150 years. They heard cries from inside one of the wards and went in to investigate, but couldn't see anyone. When they tried to get out, they found the door was locked. They panicked, as the demolition ball was heading that way. Eventually, they managed to break out, but demanded a priest was brought in, or they would not work again. During the building of the nearby Birmingham Eye Centre in 1996, the site was monitored by CCTV, which triggered alarm bells when a ghostly grey figure was spotted. Security guards went to investigate but found no one there. Hospitals are places full of emotions, many unhappy, and I think there are people running parallel to us, Wally said. I've never felt afraid of them, but there are places in the building where it's cold when it shouldn't be. Richard Wiseman, a psychologist at the University of Hertfordshire, has led teams of real-life Ghostbusters on stakeouts at Hampton Court Palace and Edinburgh Castle. Despite using sophisticated thermal imaging equipment temperature probes and video cameras, they have failed to capture any spirits. Wiseman's theory for the unexplained sightings is that hospitals precondition people into believing the unbelievable. The majority of these experiences happen in old buildings with a tremendous sense of history and people are aware of this, he says. Hospitals are inherently places that are associated with death. Nurses in particular have to cope with life and death on a daily basis. At some level, there is a need to believe in ghosts and an afterlife as a way of saying death is not final as a comfort. According to Wiseman, shift workers are more prone to seeing or believing in strange things because they are in buildings associated with daytime and with crowds and activity, but which go quiet at night and take on a more sinister aspect. When anywhere that is usually noisy goes quiet, you can hear the background noises you don't usually hear. The pipes, the building creaking, doors moving. He also offers a more prosaic explanation. Ghost stories are a way of passing the time, he says. You've done the rounds, had a chat about EastEnders or whatever, and so you start telling ghost stories because they are entertaining. Yet neurologist Peter Fenwick of King's College London, who has studied spirituality in the mind for many years says that he cannot offer an empirical explanation for many stories of odd events and visions near the time of death. They usually feature a deceased member of the family appearing to a dying person, helping them on a journey through physical death, he says. People report that it is extremely pleasing. Occasionally, carers have reported seeing the vision, so it can't be put down to a hallucination due to medication, where a patient is having a good death by that I mean one with less painkillers, then these phenomena are more likely to occur. Relatives and staff in hospices, including a doctor, have also reported seeing a room filled with light or columns of light emanating from the body of a dying person. This has been interpreted as the soul or the essence of the person leaving the body. So how does Fenwick explain these phenomena? As a neuroscientist, I have to say that when there is no brain activity, consciousness dies and you are gone. But the things that have been described to me might point to a continuation of consciousness. Who can say? Electricity was thought to be magic several hundred years ago. As we move to a postmodern view of science, together with a recognition that, as yet, neuroscience has no explanation for consciousness the possibility of transcendent phenomena around the time of death should also be considered. That completely messed with my head. In what way? Well, because remember we did our near-death experiences episode and we talked about how it's like painkillers and your brain sparking and wiring Um, differently. You talked about that. I talked about that, yeah. (laughs) And this guy who's a neuroscientist is like, fuck it, there's loads of stuff that can't be explained. I've heard loads of stories and neuroscience doesn't explain them. Oh, oh, dear, dear Lord! That really messed me up.
1: I think there's obviously something to be said for actually there there are some people that are more open to this idea for various different reasons that, that ghosts exist and there's another realm and stuff like this. And it's also worth taking into account that actually shift workers are tired a lot of the time. And yeah, that's true. An impact on you, however. Wiseman annoyed me with his statement. <laughs> Did he? Yes.
0: Well, is, was it the, the It's lesson? just a blanket.
1: It was just a blanket statement that people go to. People have feelings about hospitals, and they create stories in order to make themselves feel better about death. That might be the case for some people. You can't make that blanket statement. No, you process.
0: can't. I do agree with his statement about
1: shift workers, the
0: nighttime. Yeah. There's the what was it, I read somewhere? Somebody called it the sundown phenomenon or something where at nighttime buildings that are usually bustling with life are inherently really scary Yeah, because it, the same can be said for schools if yeah. you're in a school when there's no children there and it's nighttime in the depths of winter they are quite freaky places even with no paranormal history attached to them but hospitals I don't I, I agree with you I don't think it's I don't think it's okay to be like shift workers are bored yeah. at night time and they're tired of talking about EastEnders so they start telling ghost stories yeah. seems kind of yeah. delegitimizing the importance of their work on night shifts but yeah. anyway and also I don't think it's enough to be like oh it's it's just people's ideas of being in a historical building
1: you can't make blanket statements on these things either because each case is individual so there will be some cases where those are (coughs) the things that that they are the reasons that those stories have come around so there will be some cases where people have seen things because they're tired or they've hit misinterpreted the sound that a building makes when it hasn't got as many people in it yeah or that they have actually just been bored of talking about EastEnders and are telling ghost stories to entertain but you can't say that that is as a blanket ban uh blanket ban that's not even the right word blanket statement you just can't make that statement because everything, there's different circumstances around everybody's individual experience, I will continue to believe that there is something other than what we're currently experiencing as life up until the point someone can scientifically explain conscience to me. Because you can't. Like that article quite rightly said. Yeah, you can't. So until we can understand why people, why there is such a thing as consciousness, I think actually to apply any blanket statement to say it's all stuff and nonsense is um, almost as naive as, as applying a blanket statement to saying, yes, 100% all ghosts exist.
0: So like I said, we're doing this backwards.
1: I know. I feel like we've done the podcast. No, because Uh-oh. I've got three <laughs>
0: real life ghost stories for you. Okay. And these came from Thought Catalogue and I would absolutely 100% recommend listening or going clicking the link in this episode and reading these stories because some of them are horrifying so I picked three real nurse stories.
1: With me in mind?
0: Just I just picked three that I thought were interesting and would have good conversation. Okay. So I'll leave the link in the description, but are you ready?
1: Yep. No. Go <laughs> for it.
0: <laughs> I was a new nurse at our hospital and had only been working there a couple of months. I brought a patient of mine up to day surgery from the ER for an endoscopy and they called back down and asked me to bring her family up because she only spoke Italian and not enough English, and they needed someone to consent for the procedure. After dropping them off, I walked past the waiting room to head back down to the hall to the elevators. I took the back way to get to the ER, and the hallways are all deserted. It used to be a paediatric wing of the hospital, but that is all shut down for years, and the rooms are just empty or full of broken equipment and beds and stuff. As I reached the old nurse's station at the T-junction between the paediatric hallway, in the hallway that goes to the elevators, I saw a little girl standing across from the nurse's station, further down the hall. She had big pigtails and was wearing a brown dress, white shoes and holding a teddy bear. I thought perhaps she was a family member who had walked away from the day surgery waiting room. I was concerned that she would go into one of the other rooms and get hurt or get lost. So I said... Hi, what are you doing? You don't need to be over there. You're going to get hurt. And I walked around the nurse's station to go and grab her hand and bring her back. But I shit you not, she vanished as I got about 15 feet away from her. Every hair on my body stood up straight, and I turned and ran like a bat out of hell down to the elevator. I pounded that button for what seemed like an eternity until the elevator got to the floor. As I got back to the ER I walked up to the nurse's desk white as a sheet and one of the older nurses looked at me and said, Jesus Christ what is wrong with you? I remember babbling like an idiot and I tried to tell them what happened. After listening to me for a moment or two the nurse said, ah you saw the little girl ghost. She's been around here for years and I remember saying, well thanks for telling me about it before this. Apparently the ghost has even been seen down in the ER ducking in and out of patient rooms and peeking around curtains. My wife worked up on the seventh floor and she said that one time on nights a whole row of patient rooms started yelling about a little girl that was running in and out and around the bedrooms. I guess she gets around.
1: See now I have got a big issue because obviously normal folk in a job such as being a nurse when they see a little kid wandering around their reaction is Let's help them, right? Because obviously they're somewhere they're not supposed to be. I couldn't do one of those jobs because my reaction would be to turn around and run, and I'd probably leave kids in situations they're not supposed to be in. Uh, because I just my instant reaction was if I was in a place that was like fairly empty and it was old, and it, there was a little girl in front of me that probably is in a, in a place she shouldn't be in. I'm thinking ghost, at a push maybe a demon. I'm not sticking around to find out whether she's real or not. I'm gone.
0: Fair, I was going to contradict you, but.
1: I haven't got the courage to drop kick them down the stairs or anything. I'll just be legging it. So I'm really sorry if I, you know, if any of these, when we're eventually allowed out, if it's your kid that I leave in a room that she shouldn't be in, I apologise. It's just I thought she was a demon. <laughs> sorry.
0: The next two stories that I picked were, they're not so much like really scary, but they're really weird. So are you ready for the next one? I promise you there's no children in the next one. I used to work in a state institute for the developmentally disabled. We were temporarily relocated to another building for remodelling of our building. Anyway, I was working one night, second shift. We had a locked PICA unit. I saw one of the residents walking down the hall. Very distinct gait and very distinct yellow t-shirt with a happy face on it. I went into the ward to let the staff know that they had an escapee. This was a serious situation, because this particular resident, Larry, would ingest absolutely anything. From clothing, to pens, to belts, to one time even a bird's head. Literally anything. He was also very reluctant to go back to his home ward, hence why I didn't bring him back myself. He needed two escorts. When we got back into the hall, less than 15 seconds later, Larry was gone. And we searched the entire building. Outside, downstairs, all the wards, he was nowhere to be found. This whole search lasted ten minutes because I had all the extra staff looking for him. I was just about to call the house supervisor to let her know that we'd lost someone when out from the bathroom walks Larry. With one of the staff. He'd been getting his bath in the bathroom for the last thirty minutes or so. Kind of freaky. But I absolutely, without a doubt, saw Larry in the hallway. I never would have short-staffed the wards like I did if I hadn't seen him. Like I said, very distinctive gait, look, clothing. I took a lot of razzing that night. They all thought that I was crazy. Anyway, I come to find out the next day, after the story goes around that I am crazy, that Larry had an identical twin brother. Who died in that building ten years previously?
1: See, I was going down the line that he'd some kind of fall, fallen in some kind of time warp, and actually, what he'd seen was Larry walking down that corridor earlier that day. It was like a memory, like an imprint of Larry walking in that. But even still, that's terrifying. I mean, that is terrifying. But that's what I was thinking. But then he's got a brother, a twin brother, who's wearing the same clothes.
0: But you can imagine creepy being on that ward. So Pika is the it's like a, um, a compulsion to eat things that have no nutritional value. And when I worked in the asylum, one of the patients had, pique, well, not just one, but one in particular had Pika and he would eat anything plastic. So that would be like plastic gloves, anything plastic he'd eat. It's so weird. But it is, uh, and often actually pregnant women get Pika which is interesting.
1: That's where the whole chalk, eating chalk thing comes from, isn't it?
0: Yeah. It's, um, it's your body craving things that seemingly have no nutritional value. But anyway, so you can imagine thinking if the, you saw this patient out and about you'd be like, oh shit. Yeah, Because they could cause themselves a lot of, a lot of damage. So I, you can see the panic of being like, yeah. right, we need to get everybody looking for this patient right now. And then you find him.
1: And and he's been supervised the whole time. Yeah. And it turns out he's got a dead twin brother.
0: So weird. So creepy. And one more. Okay. Like most very old hospitals, at one time our hospital was run by nuns. One particular unit had been converted into a sleep study lab area for outpatient tests. One shift in the middle of the night I was watching the video monitor and five patients simultaneously began removing their monitoring equipment. I went into the first room to ask what was going on. And the patient said that the old nurse with the cap told her the study was over and that she could leave. And every patient on the corridor reported the same story.
1: Get out!
0: Get out.
1: <laughs> I mean, in that if you're that if you're that nurse or that person that was watching the sleep clinic video, you just say, "Oh no, sorry, she's mistaken," and you just let them get on. with yeah, it. Yeah, you, you wouldn't be like fuck, <laughs> but I would be. <laughs> be like, what not? <laughs> okay, see you later. Bye. <laughs>
0: you'd get to the third room and then just yeah. panic and bolt out yep. the door yep
1: she's a bit naughty that guy isn't she really she is a bit naughty telling them to finish the thing before they finished having a prank on the staff that are there today
0: but there were loads of stories there was like I think there was something like 50 nurse ghost stories in this particular collection and there were loads of them about like oh no the nurse the nurse who's been here before has already done that or the nurse told me to to do that thing very very strange in short yeah I think if anywhere was going to be haunted hospitals old asylums prisons prisons yeah I'm all for it they're places of suffering and loss slaughterhouses why do you always say slaughterhouses
1: (laughs) well there's a lot of death in slaughterhouses isn't it not necessarily human death but there's a lot of death so it's charging that energy isn't it
0: okay fair enough we'll go slaughterhouses as well we'll add that to the list basements basements in general yep it's always in the basement. Mm. It is always in the basement.
1: Mm. I think that'll probably be it. And maybe after that film, funeral parlours, which are not called funeral parlours in this country.
0: It wasn't a funeral parlour.
1: It was. It was
0: a mortuary, they called them, like a morgue.
1: No, the mortuary was underneath it, if you read the sign in the picture.
0: I gotcha. See, I wasn't paying that much attention, clearly.
1: Oh, no. I'm going to have to strip that award in the final seconds.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Would you like some new reviews?
1: Yeah, please. Thank you.
0: Review number one comes from Sully127, who says, awesome, entertaining, and fun. I recently came across this podcast, and as I write, I'm about 15 episodes in. The hosts are engaging and entertaining, and the subject matter is approached with a unique combination of both reverence and skepticism, which makes for very fun listening. I especially appreciate the slant towards many Irish legends, lore, and stories. I look forward to the rest of the cast and wish you guys continued success. Thank you for the hours of entertainment.
1: Thank you, Sally127.
0: And the second one comes from Cydmt3, who says, Love this podcast. I'm a new listener and I really enjoyed this podcast. Great chemistry and content. Poor Dan is always scared. It's great. Why do people love that? (laughs) Because it's hilarious. Okay. And finally, Rose
1: Thanks Pink... MT123 or whatever it was. Sorry, close. Toast.
0: Close. C-Y-D-M-T-3. MT3. And Rose Pink222 said, Best of both spooky worlds. My husband and I love listening and watching spooky things. Where we differ is that he loves horror movies and I love more of the historical spooky stories. This podcast is the best of both worlds. With the funny banter of Emma and Dan and great insights, it just makes a barrel of spooky laughs. Great job, guys. Can't wait to hear your 100th episode. Mary, Kate, and Joel. Thank you so Thanks, Mary, much, Kate and Joel. you gorgeous people. If you enjoyed this week's episode of Real Life Ghost Stories, you can find us on Instagram at Real Life Ghost Stories. You can find Dan on Instagram at
1: Fifty P Movie Club.
0: You can send us your own stories to Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast at gmail.com You can find us on Twitter at Real Ghost Pod. You can find us on Facebook, Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast. Give us a like. And also join our supergroup, or LGS supergroup, where the password is. Sorry, I'm muted.
1: <laughs> Emma and Dan. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs>
0: you can find us on patreon at patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories where for five dollars a month you can get an extra bonus episode a week and for two dollars a month you get the full back catalog of 50p movie club you can buy our merch all the links are in the description and you can subscribe to our youtube channel the link is also in the description and on that note we shall see you next week bye